When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowenson. I'm joined this evening uh, on almost Halloween by John Townley. Uh, for the eagle-eyed amongst you, I'm not in my usual location. I'm at my mum and dad's in my old bedroom, literally squeezed into the corner of the room that you can see here, cramped behind a little bedside table. The dog is barking because guests are arriving for our annual kind of Halloween party. Uh, but it's just fancy dress. I've seen my sister who's done Freddie Mercury, so not scary at all, but it's just film characters and famous people and stuff. I might pull out my fancy dress at the end of the podcast just for some light relief. I think this is going to be quite a, a tough listen, to be honest. Uh, but it was a Halloween horror show for Aston Villa up at the uh, up at St. James's Park um, earlier this afternoon. A really, really grim afternoon up at Newcastle. Um, John, first of all, before we get into the game, how are you, my, my friend? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all right, mate. It's difficult. The weekend drew now, isn't it? So, yeah, it's difficult, man. I, yeah, I was all right before the game, but that was, it's really put me in a bad mood. I haven't spoken to anyone for about 40 minutes. And I've just come upstairs, so. Mm. Yeah, not the best. A lot of people in the, in the comments saying things like back to the same old rubbish, back to reality. And it's been a quite the week for Aaron Danks, a 4-0 win at, at home last weekend, a 4-0 defeat on his second game. Did see a stat earlier, my dad mentioned to, to me this afternoon as well about um, Kevin McDonald winning on the opening day against West Ham, or the first game, the first home game of the season anyway at least. And then following up with a 6-0 defeat at Newcastle and going, oh, I hope that doesn't happen today. Um, yeah, 4-0. It probably could have been 6, let's face it. They hit the bar and, and the post. My connection isn't great here, by the way, but we're going to try and get through this. And um, we'll rewind back to team news, first of all. It was an unchanged team. Uh, when we did our pre-match preview, we said an unchanged team makes sense. You don't change a winning team. You don't change a winning team that won 4-0. But was that the right setup for Newcastle away, do you think? I think so. I mean, yeah, you don't change a winning team, but obviously it's a bit more complex than that because, you know, we've just got beaten 4 0 and probably should have been more. I don't know. I think in the first half we were okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But obviously we've collapsed. So it's hard to sort of pinpoint anything on the team. Obviously we beat Brentford 4 0 and Brentford are no mugs. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you, I guess with hindsight, you can question everything. Um, but on the bench, do you play instead? Maybe do you play McGinn? Maybe do you play Ramsey? Um, they would probably be the only two that you'd you'd sort of call on. Luca Dean's obviously just come back from injury, but Ashley Young up until that point is probably our best player this season, arguably. Mm-hmm. So uh, although we obviously gave away the penalty with um with the handball, again hindsight, maybe Luca Dean should have started. But no, I don't you couldn't sort of question the team news when it came out and no one was surprised and changed eleven. That's fair enough. We'll go and we'll take the game to them and in the first half up until we conceded that penalty. It was it was okay. You know, mm-hmm. I thought we battled well. Obviously there was sort of stoppages throughout the whole match, uh, first half anyway, 10 minutes I think was added. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, just, I don't know, kind of everything's clouded now. Um, 4-0 could have been battered, could have been six. And yeah, real sort of come down after what was a really high, la- really you know good weekend uh, last week. The Emery news, obviously, you know, sort of moving in the right direction and then you get done by Newcastle. And I've been saying it for a long time now, Newcastle are a really good team. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows that. 
they'll probably be getting European football this season. They're doing, you know, they're going well for the Champions League at the moment. So again, they're really good. But you, there's no excuse to ever lose four 0 in the Premier League once you've spent the, the amount of money that we have. Mm, you know, Brentford have sort of done it on almost like a shoestring, and they've brought this players through, and they're developing well, and they're going to have um, you know ups and downs throughout the season. But we're a squad that's been assembled from you know what three hundred plus million, four hundred million potentially in the last sort of three years, mm. and then you go to Newcastle four 0 It's yeah, it's embarrassing really, and you know quite pathetic. So no, really not good. Mm. Yeah, it would have been difficult to see a, a change team in some aspects. Obviously, if it works, it doesn't really matter. But to have seen Ashley Young drop today would have been a, a strange choice. To yeah. see John McGinn back in after being dropped last week again would have been a strange choice. But you do wonder whether a two in midfield would have been enough against Newcastle's midfield today and whether a, kind of a 4 3 3 or being slightly different in midfield would have, would have changed things. But like we said at the start, no one kind of grumbled at, at, at not changing a winning team. But obviously, with hindsight, losing 4 0, and you think, yeah, there's probably tweaks that could have been made. Um, there's a lot of comments about kind of, you know, was it Gerard's fault or was it the players? And we'll, we'll kind of get to that in a second and the task that Emery's got at hand. But the first half, you kind of say about how, how good a side Newcastle are and obviously they are where they are. They're, they're going in for the Champions League at the moment. And again, we'll talk about their kind of trajectory over the last 12 months and hours, which is the, probably the, the biggest frustrating thing from, di- from today for me. But in the first half, you couldn't really, up until the goal, because obviously that did change things in the timing of it, wasn't a massive amount between the two sides. It was a bit of a, it was a, obviously a scrappy game. Ten minutes added on, like you said, and that that will have disrupted things. Martinez being down for five minutes, then Wendy looked like he might have twisted his knee or something at one stage, and you kind of fear the worst for him. That won't have helped, and the crowd getting on their backs and booing the injured players and stuff. It was a very bitty first half, but you know if you'd have come out of that at nil nil, you'd have gone. You know what? We've kind of matched each other in a scrappy first half. Keep it tight in the second, and, and we nick a point away from home, and which is a good result after last week as well. Um, but yeah, to kind of fall apart and capitulate in the way we did is it's unacceptable, really. Yeah, I guess you can put it down to a mentality issue. Is it a lack of confidence? I have no idea. It's hard to say that when we just won 4 0. Confident last week, yeah. True. But then I would look at the mentality because it is a case of, you know, we're on a bit of a hike because Gerard's been sacked, whatever the players got front, a point to prove. We go one up early, 2 0, 3 0, and the rest of the games. Um, you know, one in the players can play well in front of 40,000 fans, but when it gets tough and you've conceded a goal before half time, you want them to then come out and say, okay, like, you know, let's kind of puff our, chest, uh, puff our chest out a little bit. But then we can see two goals just like that. Then it's free now when they, we are where we were last week, but on the wrong side of it. So for me, it's a mentality thing. Where are those players at in terms of, you know, just losing 4 0, it's just unacceptable. I know Newcastle are good and they've said they've scored a lot of goals this season, beating some decent teams by a fair um, fair amount of goals. But now we're another one of those teams after just beating Brentford 4 0, which is it's a real come down. Like, I'm honestly just so deflated by it. <sighs> like the Emery stuff's good. Um, you know, comes in on Tuesday, it's kind of like a clean slate, and that's what Danks has said. But but going into that with a draw today would have been a oh we won last week we've got a draw a good on the up Newcastle okay like it is a fresh start for Emery on Emery on Tuesday but it's on the back of a little bit of confidence and you go into Man United thinking okay big home game and it will still be a big home game with with Emery's yeah. first game in charge but the, to the contrasting feelings between last Sunday and and today and we were chatting a little bit off air before we started and the word you used to me was embarrassing and and there's a couple of comments that have used the same word and it's not embarrassing that the team's performance was embarrassing although it was was poor but kind of the feeling as a fan base is embarrassing. We were all giving it the big one last week against Brentford, beating a good side, you know, kind of this swaggery and Aaron Dank's ball, all this kind of stuff. And then <laughs> getting 
gets shown up by Newcastle effectively in the second half. And as much as you can say it was tight in the in the first half to an extent, and we'll talk about the penalty in a second as well. Second half, there was that goal for class where you just go, I'm feeling nowhere near it here. Defensively yeah. poor, basics, you know, not being quite right at all. And they say, I don't know that you, you, you yourself are more um, kind of susceptible to conceding after you've scored yourself. But Villa, it's the opposite. Once we concede, you think, oh, we might concede another straight away. That should be the time where you go, right, reset everybody. We've just conceded. Do not concede another in the next five, ten minutes. To concede two in two minutes, and we've seen Villa do that a couple of times now. Again, un- unacceptable is the word we just used, but embarrassing, poor, abysmal. Just not good enough considering the, the money we've spent and the time we, sh- you know, the, the progression we should have made in the last couple of years. Yeah. Crap on it. We had we had half time to reset. Like yeah. reset was at half time, and then we come out and they get the second and then they get the third. Like just just poor again. I think it's a mentality issue, which is a problem long term. Because yes, mm. Emery can get him playing and he can you know coach him in a system. If but there's an underlying issue there, and I don't know. It's, you say it's so much money that was spent. But you look at Newcastle and you mentioned they've done like um, a golf of class or whatever, and it showed on the pitch today. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Apart from Bruno in the midfield, and I, I'm going to mention quite a few players. Trippier, Bot- Trippier Botman. <laughs> Sorry, that was my dog. It's people arriving. I'll mute my mic. Carry on. All right. Um, Trippier, Botman, and uh, Bruno. Apart from those three players, you'd say that's pretty. Uh, Almiron's the same um, that was there for the last couple of years. Longstaff, uh, Willock. Callum Wilson's obviously a very good striker, but he's been there too. It's not as if they've bought 11 players and they've spent. You know, 400 million like we have over the last few years. I've spent a fair bit since they obviously got the, the back of the owners. But Isaac's not there today. He was 60 million. That's almost half they spend. Like, I don't know. It's not as if they've overhauled it. You know, like, Trippier's on the bench. Uh, sorry, Target's on the bench. They've got a centre half playing a left back who's obviously decent there, Dan Byrne. But that's not a team, you know, player for player. We're not a million miles away from that, are we? But then we're losing 4 0. Yeah, said exactly the same thing. You know, you look at their side, and it's not that they're they've blown us apart in terms of you know, every player is a is a seventy, eighty million pound player, and they're they're vastly different. Like you said, it almost shows up what a terrible job Steve Bruce was doing with some of those players. Which I mean, that's not a surprise to any of us, is it? Steve Bruce doing a terrible job isn't breaking news. But that, that Eddie Howe's done a great job there, and I've used them as a comparison again when we talked about Steven Gerrard. It was always, well, look at Arsenal; they started poorly, and, and Arteta's turned it around. But you know, they won an, a, um, an FA Cup, and they bought youth youth players and we're kind of they were building something it just hadn't clicked yet the Newcastle comparison is more realistic they were bottom this time yeah. last year I think they're 15 points better off or 18 points better off now than they were this time last season so Eddie Howe has gone in who isn't a flashy manager but a good technician a tactician clearly a good man manager as well and has got a side there that was struggling and pretty much not an identical 11 but like you said a lot of those players that were there last year has got them ticking got them playing in a good uh, good system Obviously, a good atmosphere up at St. James and stuff goes without saying, but it's got Newcastle ticking from bottom of the league last year to third or fourth tonight. I don't know where that, that win's taken them because Spurs won in the end, so I think they might still be fourth. But you, what the point I was going to say earlier about like, the comparisons to Villa, you kind of go, we've wasted a year with the oh. Steven Gerrard thing. You look at the two sides, you know, comparison last season yeah. and where Newcastle are and where we are, and we're still basically the exact same players who were 12 months ago, if not worse off. I know Emery could come in and win on Sunday against Man United and we could look totally different in six months' time and I fully hope that's the case. But you just think Newcastle have improved massively in the last 12 months and that second half shows that we're a million miles away from hoping for European competition and Unai Emery's got a huge job on his hands to, to get anything out of those Villa players at the moment and right, he, he hopefully will do that. 
but days like today, maybe we were overreacting. You know, full time was was an hour and a half ago or something. But that second half, you do think, can that side, can that, can that side be turned into European contenders? I'm, I'm not so sure. There's no excuse to lose four 0 When again, I keep going back to the money we've spent, and, and I get it's not all those players are not playing, and maybe we've overspent here and there just to get someone in. But the point is, you've lost four 0 against a team that. Yes, they're good and they're in Europe and solid team, but oh, come on, I don't know. It's just four, four nil. It's, it is embarrassing. There's no no two ways about it. The players will be saying it's embarrassing to themselves in the dressing room. The professionals, you know, this isn't fans digging anyone out in terms of oh we're not good enough last week. We're not being fickle by saying last week we won four nil and this week we won we lost four nil. So it's like a, oh where are we? We're perfectly balanced. No, we, we've lost the game four nil. We've got every right to be you know, fuming and having a moan because this isn't Man City. If, if Man City can blow anyone away or maybe another top team, potentially Liverpool, you know, maybe not this season. But it's Newcastle. Yes, they're good, but we can't be so far off them. You know, in that first half, it did show we were equal and I think we made the better of the chances. Go behind through a, you know, a poor penalty that Young gave away. And then what did collapsed. you think of the penalty, by the way, quickly? Go, you know, yeah, with the penalty. You, you agree yeah. with that? Yes, I do. There isn't recently anywhere there's been sort of focus on players sliding and then the ball hitting their arm. And I do get that argument, but Young's mm. arm, well, I, I think he has to be more um, vigilant about it, especially he's so experienced as well. It's, 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 it's yeah. I don't, I don't like it, but I understand that's the rule. You know, um, arms out of a you know awkward position or whatever it is, not a natural position. Your arm, so if it hits it, it's a handball. I understand that's the rule. I don't like it. Though. I don't think you know Ash Young sliding in with his arm up. I mean, is that unnatural? I'm not so sure, to be honest, but it's the yeah. rules. That's what the rules are. I mean, penalty wasn't a great penalty, much like Danny Ings last, last week. If the keeper stands still, he saves it. Um, but that shouldn't be the end of the game. You know, the, we talked last week on the last podcast about, you know, being 3 up at, at uh, you know, 14 minutes and going, just kind of sitting back and going, oh, game's won. Like, I feel relaxed here. I think we scored three goals on the road this season. So once Newcastle go to 1-0 and 2-0, you think, well, if we scored three goals on the road all season, it's very unlikely we're going to get even a draw from today's game. The minute it goes 3-0, you know, it's obviously game over at that point and we're absolutely shot. But again, I'll go back to what we said before. We've spent a lot of money. Why are we still in this position where we can just fall apart like that? Like that shouldn't be happening to a side like us anymore and people might stumble upon this as, as non-Villa fans and go, oh, we've kind of been acting entitled or saying that Villa should be up in the top eight. Like this some kind of God-given right. That's not the case. But the money we've spent and the wages we pay should not be crumbling just because we concede a goal. We should have more resilience about us by that about us than that. And that is a concern. That is a worry for me. It is. It's a mentality thing. It must be like you can't crumble 4 0. And yeah, you're playing again a decent team and you're playing away from home. But that's, but you're playing with Uno Emery watching it, one of the best coaches. Yeah, again, yeah, yeah. World Cups a couple of weeks away, the Brazil managers in the stands. What are we doing? How are we collapsing so badly? We should have conceded another three or four, genuinely. It, just shocking, really poor. And I'd almost say that having a caretaker manager in the sta- uh, on the touchline, if anything, that should almost help because if it was Gerard, the players are so zapped of confidence and belief. We've just won 4-0 against Brentford. We're going to the next game. Yes, we're 1-0, 1-0 down at half-time. But you're playing for pride and we showed that, that, that we can do that when we had Danks in last week. This week, we just didn't. It just wasn't there at all. I wouldn't call it a no-show. In the second half, obviously, it was a no-show. But the first half, I thought we were okay. And yeah, there was a lot of stoppages. But we did compete and we had those little chances down the sides. Bailey coming back for Buendir. I think there was one... Watkins as well at one at one point had a half chance, but yeah, that the difference is that Eddie Howe has done a really good job at Newcastle. Yes, they spent a bit of money, but they've bought the right players. So we, Bruno, I don't know if we have bought the right players. So maybe no, that's spent yeah. money. We spent oh, money. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We spent money, and again, we're kind of going down different arguments, and we don't want to be seen as you know one week we win four 0 and it's oh yeah we can compete for Europe or whatever. Because I've said you know Emirates could be getting us in and around Europe within two years, and I stand by that. If we buy in the correct players for him, and mm-hmm. he can bring in that you know uh, style of play, identity, whatever it is. But if yeah. we have an underlying underlying weakness of whatever it is, mentality, or we're just going to collapse, I don't know where you fix that because that's um, there's no excuse. You're professional footballers and um, those players that you're playing against, only a few of them could be, you know, better. Bruno's a top player. Trippier's obviously top as well. Botman's a great player. Wilson's a really good goal scorer. But I mentioned Longstaff, Willock. Armoron's having a really good season, yes. But he was getting, you know, he was a bit of a meme last season, wasn't he, with Grealish calling him out? Why are we now to come into a 4 0 defeat? As you say, they were bottom of the league last year, 12 months ago. So they've bought those players and they've developed and how's got them in a the system within months. Because we've had three or four months out in the summer. Really good job from him. But for us, it's just, wow. You know, two points out of relegation. Yes, we had last week. But if you took that away, <laughs> I'm worried. Like, yeah. All yeah. I can say is I'm glad that we have Unai Emery coming through the door on Tuesday. But yeah. we really need to start to see something. Uh, sorry, he needs to start doing something in uh, the World Cup break. Because after that, the games will come thick and fast. And with, if we're you know, approaching games as if, you know, away from home, we need to score at least twice to win. As you say, we've only scored three times. What are we going to do? Play for three points at home and get to 40 points? It's mm. a rubbish season. Yeah, it's uh, the same alarm bells are there. You know, kind of take the Brentford game last week out of isolation. And you, you know, it's a caretaker manager. It's just the fact that Gerald isn't there. The hand breaks off. Players can kind of play with creativity. We scored very early as well. And you know, that kind of changes the course for game, obviously. This week's totally different, but I don't, I can't necessarily put too much blame on the coaching staff and, and even the system because. It's the same team that won last week, and for the first half, you know, we weren't yeah. kind of blowing them away. And it's very you know, stop-start, but we were in it up until the penalty. And the penalty kind of knocks the wind out your sails a little bit, but you've got half time straight away. You've got 50 minutes to reset and regroup. You should come out of the second half and be better. And, and Villa weren't; we were worse in the second half. And there's still that kind of. I mean, we did a podcast actually. We talked about kind of the almost we've almost been doing the podcast three years now, like our three-year anniversary or whatever talked about it on, on a couple of shows ago it was a f- one of the first podcasts that we did in the office me matt and ash matt gave this analogy about villa having a soft underbelly like a puppy that you kind of roll them over and they're, they're soft and fleshy on the bottom and, and you kind of you know if you do that to villa you can turn them over they kind of fold up upon themselves that was three years ago and we'd just been promoted that season and you kind of think well we signed a lot of players it's dean smith's kind of first season as a premier league manager there's going to be times when we're up and there's times we'll be down and if we stay up it's a good season because the kind of plan was get promoted, stay up, consolidate Europe. That's this kind of five-year plan we keep talking about. But the same things, you could probably go back and find that podcast. I don't, I don't know what it's called, but it's like episode five or six or something like that. I'm, I remember that, that analogy going on social and it, it doing quite well. That's three years ago, and you can kind of say the same thing about Aston Villa now, three years on, and we've spent a fortune since then, and keep coming back to it. Even just in the last 12 months, the comparisons between us and Newcastle, it's kind of alarming. And you go back to, I don't know where I'm going with this, to be honest, but I mean, my dad have this conversation quite a lot. Back in the kind of O'Neill era, 2008, 9, 10-ish, you got us, Spurs and Man City, all kind of roughly around the same area of being top six and trying to push into top four. Then obviously go and get relegated five or six years later and Man City go on to win titles three or four years later. But you kind of go, right, Man City have had loads of money, they're miles apart now. But us and Spurs were fighting for fourth, effectively. Spurs get into it, they kind of go on a different trajectory, really get worse and eventually get relegated. And you go, wow, we're miles away from Spurs now. We're miles away from Man City now. But now we're saying that about people like Newcastle or Brentford or Brighton. 
and we're three years into promotion now so we shouldn't be even having those conversations anyway but you know you kind of take away the, the joy of last weekend and kind of back to reality this and yes if we returns it around and gets some good results in the rest of the calendar year maybe we, we still, still can finish in the top half but having still those concerns about Villa having a soft underbelly and kind of folding in on themselves and conceding goals you know, you know back to back kind of thing it's not great and when you can like I said you're comparing them to the size that we should be far far and away better than you know, something like a Crystal Palace you've got the style of football that I play and the job Patrick Vieira's done and you go oh, I'm jealous of Crystal Palace and again, people say, oh, Villa fans, they're God-given right, they're entitled to this, they're entitled to that. We should be better than that with the money we've spent. It's not about what I think as, as a fan, whether I'm deluded or not. The money we've invested, or the owners, I say we, the money the owners have invested into the uh, into the club should have Villa in a better position already, and it isn't, and that's a concern. And you do wonder whether Emery and the job that he's got in hand, if the players are just going to roll over and give up whenever they concede, you could put Pep Guardiola or Jürgen Klopp or whoever in charge and they're not going to turn that group of players into winners. So you do wonder how much recruitment Emery's going to have to do and whether we've got the funds to back the amount that, that he actually needs to put together. Mm. Bad, yeah. isn't it? All, all, no, all valid points. Everything I agree with. And that is my only concern. Uh, not my only concern, I'm a few. But in terms of Emery coming in, uh, he, he's obviously not that kind of manager like a dice or whatever to sort of sort that out in terms of a weak underbelly. But that's... Mm. So what I think we need in terms of we're not going to be you know pushing around Europe if we don't have a, a soft underbelly because we need to have it all sort of perfect. And Emery is the man to lead us. I do believe that, but that is a worry that I do have. Um, in terms of the money we spent, yeah, again, you know, you can spend loads of money and get nowhere, and that's what we've proven at the moment. Oh, to be honest, it's just really it's just difficult to look forward after that. I, I'm just so deflated. Just, just after that's- last week, I, I felt like we we turned not necessarily turned a corner. We were turning a corner, and it's just we've like turned into a cul-de-sac. Honestly, it's yeah, nice. <laughs> I was going to say we've done a U-turn, but cul-de-sac's a good good shout. Um, yeah, it is, it is disappointing. I mean, our next podcast, and this was one that we were going to do last week, but then obviously Aaron Danks was still in charge. So we said right, Emery doesn't take charge till the first of November on Tuesday, so we'll do it next week. Yeah. Um, we'll do something like the five things you know Emery needs to sort out first, or whatever the title will be. It's like. Phew, Talk about five things. We could pick 50 things, to be honest. Um, but if I had to put you on the spot now, and we'll obviously do some prep for that podcast that we do next week, what's the one main thing that Unai Emery needs to sort ASAP in his first couple of months in charge, though? I think, I mean, it sounds quite vague, but just installing what he wants to install, because I'm going to give it patience, because mm. we know that he's got, he's, got, he's, got, he's got the pedigree, he's got the CV. I'm not going to get on this guy's back, uh, you know, um, until things go badly wrong because you just kind of expect it now. Um, but no, installing an identity that he has to do that. He has to get players playing in the way that he needs it. And I don't care if he drops players. I have no allegiance to, or we fans or whoever, we can't have an allegiance to players if Emery doesn't want them. We need to fully back him. For me, and people say this about Liverpool and other clubs as well, the most important man, uh, person at the club is always the manager. For the for clubs like us, I think Neville mentioned it in a podcast, Gary Neville mentioned it in a podcast as well a couple of weeks ago. At Villa, there's almost like a culture at the moment mm. in terms of that weak underbelly of... It's like, oh, yeah, it's great. It's a big club, um, great stadium. Everyone wants to play there. And there's aspirations of Europe. But come on, where have we, where have we been for 12 years? It, yeah. It's been, I think, short of a shambles. So, and what's what's remained consistent in that time? It's, you know, all we've had in the last 10 years anyway, in terms of good times, was Dane Smith. And and that's the manager, everyone that could, someone, someone you know, that, that we could warm to. And that wasn't just because he was a local guy. He, he got it. 
And I'm not mm. saying that everyone's going to walk in the place and all of a sudden, you know, he'll know. You know, I know he watches the Peaky Blinders, but he's not going to get anything in terms of Villa. But if he can just be everything that we need in a manager to guide the club to where we want to be, mm. we have to back. Um, I know that's a very long-winded answer, but we just need to trust him. And that's my one thing. We have to trust him because he's as good as manager as we've probably ever had in terms of at least the Premier League era. No one's mm. come in with a CV like his or a pedigree. Um, so we have to trust him and I don't mind what decisions he takes take them and uh, like on the Guillaume Balaguer podcast a really good line that I remember was um, Blog. he'll make yeah he'll, he'll make uh, decisions that fans might question or scratch their heads at for a couple of weeks it might not be working but um, you can't sit there and you know moan or whatever ask him why he's done it because there's a reason mm. he knows what yeah. he's doing so backing him is the most important thing we can do and for him it means, it means you know be confident in your decisions, make the tough decisions because because that's where we're going to get to. We've had three or four years now of going nowhere, and we've been trusting in players to um to kind of come to the fore. And after winning against Bright four 0 and losing four 0 to Newcastle, you know, come on, we really need someone to take us forward now. And hopefully it's him. Mm. I just want to go back to a comment. There's one from David. He says we haven't got a divine right to be better than any other team in the league. And I agree. I don't know whether I've got that point across. I agree. We haven't got this divine right to even be in the league. You've got to earn it. You've got to earn your you know, your position in the table. The money we've spent and the wages we continue to spend on big players should be better than so what are we now? 16th, 15th, two points off the bottom three, whatever it is. It should be better than that. It should be this divine right to be better than that because of the spending. I'm not saying as a fan, I think we deserve to be eighth every single season because you have to earn that. Just wanted to clarify that if I didn't make that clear. When I asked you what was the one thing Emery needs to do, there's a few replies coming in with, with their suggestions. James still says it's 11 things, which I don't agree with because we just said about Eddie Howe getting, getting the best out of players that were already there. Emery's got to do that as well. He can't just sign 25 new players as much as that might, might be what we need over time. He's got to get the best out of what's already there. That's vastly important. Uh, team cohesion says so descent, which I agree with. It's got to be got to play as a unit more. Cause sometimes you just look like a collection of individuals. Um, player attitudes says Les again. Agree to a certain extent, kind of being weak and and, and stuff like that. It's not great at all. Uh, a settled shape and system says Joshua. Make sure individual and collective tactics are spot on. And I like this one from Bill as well, which I hope is what we'll see from Emery going forward. So the difference in Emery is that he would have set his team up to play Newcastle, not Brentford. It did kind of feel a little bit like with hindsight, we just set up with the same system we did against Brentford and a proper manager. No disrespect to caretaker and Danks, who is, you know, as we said, a very good coach. It did kind of feel just like, well, we'll just go and do what we did against Brentford because that worked. Whereas, again, like I said, with hindsight, that didn't work against Newcastle. We probably should have gone with the three midfield and, and tried to be a little bit more solid. And Ashley Young will probably be having nightmares about armour on and Murphy, to be honest. And yeah, maybe Dean comes in. Again, hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? But you do just wonder if Emery was in charge today, would he have played that team? I'm not so sure. I think he probably would have been a little bit more solid and tried to have a better foundation. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's not. And we, did, we didn't and we lost. And that's the end. <laughs> okay, we're done. Anything else you want to raise? Uh, no, not really. How many days is it till Emery comes in? Tuesday, so a Tuesday, few days. So a couple of days, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. press conferences and stuff. Yeah, it's just difficult because we'll see all the photos of him coming in and all the videos, and it will be like a bit of a feel good. But we're off the back. You'll, you'll be excited again. <laughs> True, but we're on the back of a four 0 loss, so it is a bit like ugh. I don't know. To be honest, I just want the World Cup break now. If I'm being totally fair, yeah. just kind of end, end end it. Get them on the training pitch. Do your thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, get on your window, buy a couple of players if you need to and let's sort of try and move on with this season if we can. Um, 
it's just a shame how the season's kind of padding out already. But yeah, as long as we've got Emery, it, we could be the worst decision. Um, imagine if we lost this game 4 0 and we're still looking around for managers. We're in a yeah. dire situation there. So yeah, onwards and upwards, hopefully. Hmm. Um, have a little bit of housekeeping for the people that are watching Carton Blue Live. We can officially announce that that is happening now, which is great news. We've kind of teased it over the last week or so, and I've had to fill out risk assessments and health and safety and a lot of boring paperwork I didn't expect to be doing. But Carton Blue Live is happening now. There will be a link to tickets that you can buy, although it's free. We have to stop buy the tickets online. I think there's 150, 140, something like that. Again, I'll confirm all this over the next few days. That'll probably be available on Monday now, I would have thought. So we'll tweet about it. We'll do a podcast on Monday probably, and you can find the link for it then. It's the 18th of November at the Aston Social or the new Aston Inn. It's been renamed over the summer. Um, yeah, their function room, live podcast, Q&A, raffle, prizes, stuff like that, raise some money for charity. A little bit sketchy on some of the details, but those are the dates and that's the venue. Just see a comment on the last podcast saying, if it's not a Villa Park, why bother? It's like, oh, God, give, 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 us some, give us some slack, will you? It doesn't matter where the podcast is. It's a chance for us all to come together. It's in the, in the winter break, so we'll have played Brighton on the Sunday or the Saturday. And it's the Friday after that, so we can kind of talk about Emery's first three games in charge and reflect on the season so far and, and what the World Cup break brings and look ahead to, to New Year and, and January. So those are the dates. There'll be tickets available probably Monday, so keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah, and that's it. You excited for it, John? You're looking forward to it now it's all confirmed? Yeah, that's what I mean. Let's get, let's just send get to that first. Get 150 mm-hmm. fellas. For 150 Villa fans in front of me so I can talk some sense. <laughs> you hope, yeah. Uh, and just on my Halloween costume, because I said I'd tease it, I'm not going to wear it because it'll take me too long to wear it, but my other half has been getting ready in the room at the moment. I'm, uh, again, people who will be watching this going, oh, what the hell is this? We don't do like horror costumes and stuff because there's young kids at these little family get together. So we do just like film characters and stuff like that. So my sister and her boyfriend are Freddie Mercury and what's the guys with the long hair called? Queen. What's the guy called with long hair? The Queen, big long hair. Brian May, is it? Yes. Brian May. They're them. Really, really good costumes. So, yeah, not Halloween at all. I'm Willy Wonka, and my other half is Augustus Gloop, who's been getting ready in the room while I've been doing this. Obviously, she's pregnant, so she's got a big belly now, so she's like this big fat kid that likes yes. chocolate. Uh, she's got chocolate sauce around her mouth and stuff. So I've got my Willy Wonka costume over there. I bought this the other day online. So you can like get these like chocolate wrappers, uh, like novelty gift prize things. So I always wanted to get a Wonka bar to wrap like around a packet of Cadbury's and stuff. And uh, I ordered it thinking, yeah, that'll come. That'll be fine. <laughs> this will look good kind of thing. Yeah. And I didn't really read the fine print of what it actually was. So this is a joke for the um, visual uh, visual listeners. I'm not going to repeat it because it's a naughty word and we're not allowed explicit content. But this is what I was sent. Hold on. <laughs> So imagine that it's not a Wonka bar. It's another uh, vowel in there instead of the O. For those that are listening, you can guess the rest. So I've got to go and take that down to the kids instead now. And go, here's some chocolate instead. Enjoy this. <laughs> so that's our Halloween costume. It's not scary at all, but yeah, a little bit of fun to end the podcast on a on a, on a, a lighter note. Uh, John, thank you very much for joining me this evening. Uh, I do appreciate it. We'll have another chat on Monday or Tuesday and talk about Clark Blue Live in more detail and the a million things that Unai Emery needs to sort out in his first week in charge to get Villa ticking again. 
thanks everyone for tuning in live on Saturday evening. If you're catching up with this, scroll down, subscribe, like the video, leave a comment, all those kind of things. We uh, love hearing your feedback as always. Um, thank you very much for watching this show and we'll see you again in a couple of days. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.